Hey guys, welcome to Fuck Small Talk. I'm your host, Mariah Joe, life and recovery coach. I have my master's in sociology and a few certifications in nutrition and behavioral health. I'm also a certified peer recovery specialist, which is a fancy way of saying I use my own experience with addiction and mental health to help others heal too. And I'm here to say fuck that, to fake fluffy talk for the sake of fitting in. You don't need to fit in, you belong. Let's dive into this week's big talk topic. Welcome to another episode of Fuck Small Talk. I'm your host, Mariah, and I am here with the incredible Madison Ciccone. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so excited that you somehow found me in the abyss of the Instagram world. Being friends with Meg Daly, who I just interviewed. If you haven't listened, you have to go check out that episode. It's incredible, you guys. And so Madison got a hold of me and just said, you know, fuck small talk is my vibe. Like, I think that we're friends. I think that we need to meet. <laughs> when can we do that? So here we are. Yeah, I love it. I was like, oh, I need to be on that. I'm also a friend. Any friend of Meg's is a friend of mine. And she just came on my podcast. So that's like how this whole world works, right? So I, yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's just like which connections we make online. And it's so cool because until you emailed me, I didn't know anything about you or your coaching business. I didn't, I didn't know you. And so now that like, I obviously follow you, I just everything that you post every day, I'm just like, between you and Meg, not joking, like you two are the coaches that I am like honed in on right now. I'm like, you guys are doing the thing that I can't wait to be doing specifically in my life. Like that's yeah. right now. I'm, I mean, you know, we could get into it and you and I, you know, we, we're just meeting each other, but yeah, I'm, I would love to go full-time coaching online. So it's just such a dream of mine to do that. Yeah. I think a lot of people want to do that. And I think one thing that people aren't really honest about is that it takes, it takes time. Like I'm not even full-time coaching online. I actually recently just went down today's day one of really pulling back in my soul cycle schedule and going down in classes for the, really the first time seriously, like actually actively making that um, and trying to create space for more creativity and fun and my outside businesses beyond the bike. And literally today is day one. Like I woke up, I usually teach, you know, I've been teaching six days a week for the last eight years. Holy crap. And today I woke up and it was a Tuesday and I didn't, I wasn't teaching today. I went off and I like went to yoga and now here I am. Like, this is the day one of like, what does it feel like to create that space and take that first kind of like initial plunge of what it feels like to, I always kind of relate it to this like elegant ballet dance of like give and take, give and take. And this is a little bit of give and take right now. So I'm actually living it. But I think a lot of people, when it comes to creating these businesses, you know, I can't tell you how many times I hear it. And it's so frustrating to me. And it's so annoying. Like, oh, I just like quit the thing and I left and you know, it happened for me. Right. And I'm like, no, it didn't. <laughs> so tell me more about that. I'm like, so did you just have like a shit ton of money I didn't know about? Like what's going on here? So yeah. yeah. Seriously. Literally living today with you. Today, no, day one. I love that. That I had no idea. And when you were like, yeah, I'm free Tuesday. I didn't know that it was because your whole entire like life schedule was changing. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I just, I love that you said that too, because one of the first things that I wanted to pick your brain about was, and you talk about it a lot on your social media, but talking about imposter syndrome and, yeah. and talking about how like, you're like, just start, like start ugly is something that I heard on your Instagram. And it's just like, yes, like, like you cannot wait for everything to be perfect. All of the conditions to be perfect before 
you take that leap. Like you, you can't be like, oh, I'm going to go full time and do this perfectly and flawlessly or else I can't do it at all. Like you have to start somewhere small or little or ugly or whatever it is, like things that we don't associate with like how we reach our goals is like taking the messy path. We assume it's like glitter and gold the whole way. Yeah, totally. I think the thing you're thinking of is go ugly early. And that is Ah. because we're always so afraid to put ourselves out there and have like the first version of whatever we are flop or the first version we put out, you know, that's the thing that stops so many people. It's like, I don't know what it should look like. I don't know what this, I mean, my podcast started with a different name, with a different logo, with different colors, with different everything. I think we think whatever we put out first is what we have to be married to forever and always. And we get to change and we get to evolve every year, every other year, you can change your website, you can change your branding, you can change your things as long as you yourself have the same kind of general message. And um, like you, you, it's like an essence is what I feel like it that is the brand like you in yourself are the brand, especially if we're talking like in this realm of business. But I think people get so tripped up on having to have it look and be and all the things I need, the perfect website. And then, and then we compare ourselves to people who have been doing it for years and years and years. Like some of the people I look up to the most, I was just recently seeing like, you know, people were celebrating birthdays, turning like 40. Like I just had a woman on my podcast. I admire so much. And she was like, I'm 53. And I was like, damn, I'm comparing myself with someone who's had so much extra time in the ring, you know, to like get the punches and get the reps in. So it just really makes you realize like, wow, I'm being way too hard on myself. And the only way I'm ever going to get to that point or get to where I'm going is I have to start. Like I have to start somewhere. So I say, start small. Um, right. I think what stops a lot of people is they look at the whole thing, you know, like that analogy, like, oh, you see the whole staircase and you're, you're unable to take the first step. And I think that really is the messy action. And then with imposter syndrome, I think that just happens. We'll use the analogy of the staircase. Every time you're ranking up or every time you're stepping into a role of up-leveling in some way, shape, or form, you're always going to have that kind of gloss over things like, oh, who am I to be doing this? Or I'm undeserving or whatever the kind of narrative is there. And that's like for you to go explore and work out on your own time. But I think usually that comes from if you're in a service-based industry, like many of us are, you're making it about you instead of making it about the people you're trying to serve, right? Yeah. And I talked about this recently when it came to, it's actually part of a, a talk that I, I'm i like formulating right now for the next like keynote speaking event I have. Yeah. Um, but the number one is like, um, you know, three things of being a leader. And the last one is stop making it about you. Because if you're in a place where you're considering yourself a leader, I'm serving, I'm, I want to coach, I want to do this, like all those things, I want to help, da, 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 whatever people say. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're like my outfit, what I say, my logo, my, 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 like you literally sound like that, like, what is it, the <laughs> like seagull? The, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. My, my, my. But it's because you're saying me, me, I, 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 you're saying that instead about you, them service. So it's really like flipping that on its head. And I think that a lot of times gives me the courage to then kind of like shake off whatever that imposter syndrome might be cropping up in the moment and then proceed and step into it bravely. Yeah. That's so beautiful that like, it's just waking me up in certain parts of my mind too, because I 
when I, you know, I, it's a thing in my life where I've struggled with anxiety for like the majority of my life. And, you know, I've been like, I'm learning a lot of things in my past. I think a lot of us um, that are showing up online and are doing the thing um, in the fuck small talk way have a lot of, you know, I mean, all of us as human beings, like we come from pasts that are not exactly uh, perfect a lot of times. And sometimes those traumas and things that are like, they've kind of, they've shaped us to be who we are today. And so we kind of find ourselves being an adult, wondering why it is that our communication styles or our, uh, even like our internal dialogue or whatever. It's like, we have, we have like some roadblocks, you know, some things that are keeping us from the outside world. And so when I find myself listening to my anxiety more that yeah. is that is when I let that imposter syndrome thing win because my anxiety is telling me like who are you to do this all this stuff you know like if uh, and it's it's shame yeah you know it it attaches to shame you know where people are like um or I guess like the the voice in my head you know is like if they only knew you know um whatever it is you know and I yeah. know that I know that yeah. everybody struggles with that you know it's just to what extent Totally. So I have two kind of points that, you know, and one thing I always say, you know, you're not responsible for whatever has happened to you in your past as a child or your younger self, Uh but what you are responsible for as an adult is kind of interrogating that darkness and doing your own healing. And I think that, you know, what you just said, like, if they only knew, I think that's sometimes our most powerful point of connection with people. And I talk about this a lot, like the things that we think discredit us or disqualify us or damage us to a point where we're quote unquote, you know, we have these things like I'm undeserving if they only knew. And I'm like, well, let them know because that's your, that is like your strong suit. That Ooh. is your hand to play with really helping other people along. And I said this on my podcast this week, like maybe you had to endure that thing so that someone else doesn't have to. And as like, and that could be like, how, Mads, how could you even see that? Like someone could go through whatever they go through. And I'm like, yeah, but all that pain, all that hurt, it, can you turn it into something? Because right. if it just lives within you and, and it could be happening to someone else, like, can you transform that into something? And, and this takes a lot of bravery, a lot of work. This isn't just something easy, like, oh, well, all this horrible shit happened to me. And I'm just going to show up and like, I'm going to be the bigger person, help someone else through it. Like, right. Just no, change your perspective. A lot of. Yeah, it takes so much work and inner work and like there are all the things that you got to go do, right? Yeah. But like, wow, what a blessing it is to help someone along on their journey and let, make them feel seen, heard, and validated and not so alone. Because so I think a huge thing is we're all carrying these burdens, these things within us. We call, you know, traumas, capital T's, lowercase T's, whatever you want to call them. Uh-huh. And we think they're so innate to us. Like, it's, it's just me. And yeah. then we start to share and we realize that it's so many other people and yeah. there's this golden thread theme through so many of our lives. And the, and that's what I mean by the point of connection. It's such a deep level of connection because I'm like, how that person gets me, that person sees me, that person has walked in my shoes in some way, shape or form. And that's like so powerful. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, that's kind of what I was getting at and, and where where my mind goes when we t- when I talk about having the anxiety and knowing that I, I yeah. struggle with that, that's kind of like the default mode, if if you will. But yeah, I have the will, the self will, and I have the knowledge and the education and the practice now to like switch it up 
you know, and challenge myself and challenge that darkness, like you said, like through shadow work and other recovery work that I've been doing over the last several years, like, I know that if I let it, my anxiety and my depression, like quite literally, they almost like took my life. And I know that I'm very aware that that's what happens when I let it just run amok without me kind of taking my power back and being in control. And so like one of those ways that, you know, a couple of years ago that I was like, well, I have to take my power back was from alcohol and using drugs um, Mm. and just completely changing my lifestyle. And so like, that's where I started to go into movement as well, um, because I wasn't connecting. There was no connection, you know, obviously, um, you know, addiction, I I always say addiction's opposite of connection. And um, it doesn't always have to be alcohol or drugs. It could be, you know, anything that you're doing that is just making you uh, not be present with your current day to day. And I've said this on so many episodes before, um, but no matter what it is, you know, what, what the issue is, is that you're not connecting with yourself on some level. Um, and for me, you know, it's like connecting with yourself, but also others authentically, you know, like yeah. letting them in, showing them what it is that like, if they only knew, show them, you know, and, and it sounds simple, right? It sounds terrifying uh, uh, to me, you know, but you got to do the damn thing. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that's where bravery comes to play. And, you know, a a lot of people are like, well, she's so confident in what she says now. And it's like, well, she's confident in what she says now because she had the courage way back when to step into it or share. And it was literally shaking in your boots, scary, like finger, like, ah, like everything in your body is like, run, run, run for the hills oh my gosh, get out of here. Like, you know, that feeling. Right. Um, and then through the powerful storytelling and sharing over and over again, then you're not so scared anymore. That anxiety doesn't creep up as much. And then that turns into the quote unquote confidence yep. that people see when you show up later yeah. down the road. But, you know, it goes back to kind of what we said before. Like someone could walk in at your chapter 10 and they didn't see your chapter one, but you have to be willing to have that chapter one. Right. And I've, I've heard so many, um, and I, I, you know, I catch myself in my head doing this too, but whenever people are like, you know, must be nice to have that thing. I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) like, you don't know anything about the backstory of how that person got anything that they have going on today, you know, or even like what they're going through currently. You know what I mean? Like someone can show up and do the thing and be brave. And I know this firsthand, you know, I can show up smiling and do the the coaching that I need to do. And then when it's done, close my screen and like be with myself again and be like, oof, <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah. it's not always, you know, success totally. doesn't mean happiness and like no anxiety and like no uh, imposter syndrome, you know, like you can have imposter syndrome and kind of struggle with, with that anxiety and also be confident as fuck in your ability to do the thing. Totally. And I think that's just duality. I think I talk about this a lot, the all or nothing complex. And as human beings, I feel like that's just sometimes how we operate where we're like zero or a hundred. And it's really getting used to that word. And like, I'm really whatever. And I'm also really like, it's like the and, right? Like you said, oh, I can show up and be all these things. And when I close the computer, I'm still, I still have to deal with my own shit or I still have to like have my own life. Like, so I think the duality of you can feel many emotions at once. It doesn't just mean one thing. Like you could be really, really grateful and you could have really 
shitty shit going on. Like, so it's really also giving yourself that kind of pliability to be both things and not be so rigid with this or that. I can only feel this way or this way, but like I can have all these experiences and all these feelings and that is okay. It's so, it's so uh, incredible for me to hear you speak this way because this sounds to me like in the beginning of my recovery journey, it was the first that I'd ever really heard people speak like that. And it was in like 12 step meetings and in like very recovery and sobriety focused events and, and Instagram pages and everywhere that I was learning books, you know? And so for me, I learned exactly what you're saying as the way out of addiction. And so I followed and took that path to, you know, get myself, Mm. you know, connected for the first time with myself and the world around me in in a real way and my spirituality. Like that was the first time I ever connected with anything like that, honestly. Um, And it's just, it's so interesting because the root of that, of like the 12 step programs and, 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 you know, like if you're, um, if you ever have any experience with that, there's, one of the biggest foundations of it is to be of service to others. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. it. Like, that's like, that is what you do. Like when you're stuck in your self-centered routines, your endless loops, your, that addiction cycle, that ruminating, that anxiety, that imposter syndrome, what you're doing is like, they call addiction a, a self-centered or a selfish disease. And, and um, the reason why they say that is only because all that we are focusing on because it's all that we know is to keep our blinders on and look at what is good for us, what we need, what we want, what will make us Mm -hmm. feel better. And the opposite of that is to like look outside yourself instead of it being me, 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 mine, 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 you know, yeah. start to ask, you know, what do people need? And maybe I could be of service to help them with that thing that they need. Thing that I always think of is like, it's selfish of me to hold on to like this information, like this, whatever is on my heart right now, it's selfish of me to hold on to it. If I know that me saying it or me putting it out there could like change the trajectory of someone else's life, because someone needs my story and my voice and in, in how I say it and the intonation and how I deliver it, someone might need that. And that might change them. So I always try to when I'm feeling like, I don't want to share, I don't want to show up or, you know, again, going me in that cycle, I try to flip it on its head of like, what if like, it's selfish of me to hold on to this thing when it could change somebody else and could be for somebody else and somebody else out there might be able to change from it. What would you say to somebody that like has never written a post or has never like spoken really out loud or uh, you know, like, I mean, not never, you know, we're human yeah, beings, yeah. you know, but like, what if they just feel like my story doesn't matter? Like, I don't think that I could really help. And then I go back to that, like your story does matter because somebody could, I could say it, or you could say it and someone out there might not listen. And that other person who's sitting on their story, they might connect with someone that we don't connect with. Like one of my favorite examples of this and I'll never forget, it was for my business conference and it was Marie Forleo and her husband. Oh. And Marie was talking, I know. And so her husband was trying to get her to do this like juice cleanser, something like with juice. I don't remember like the full details of the story, but just go with me. So her <laughs> husband's always like, you got to do this with me. You got to do this with me. And she's like, no, no, no. And he'll come back and be like, yeah, you should do it with me. And, and this went on for like months, I think. And so I guess Marie went to like a conference or a wellness thing and 
she meets this lady and she's like, oh, you got to try this juice thing. It's awesome, blah, blah, blah. And Marie comes home to her husband and she's like, oh, I'm going to do this juice thing. And he's like, I've been telling you about this juice thing with this same lady that you just met telling you about the juice thing for months now. <laughs> but it's like the husband's voice wasn't what she needed to hear in the moment. She needed to hear that person's voice. And I think that's a great example of like, so many of us can say the same shit, but you're going to connect with that one person that tells it a certain way that says it, whatever. And you could be that person to someone else. And that goes back to what I just said. It's selfish of you to hold on to that story. So think of it like that. Like I need to show up and tell my story because it might be perfectly placed for someone else out there. That's not connecting with other people right now. Yeah. Um, oh, and I think yeah. if you've never posted, yeah, if you've never posted, if you've never like done a story or whatever, I talk about this when I coach a lot, I think of like a, a fair, I think of like a fair, you know, you go to like those fairs, you know, with the rides, the carnival, whatever. Uh-huh, yep. And picture there's this massive chocolate chip cookie. I'm talking like next, like, you know, the size of this giant window right here. If I told you to sit down and eat that cookie, you'd like start stressing out. You'd be like, oh my gosh, I don't know where to start. How am I going to eat this? Like, it's too big. It's too crazy. I think that's how a lot of people look at like the first post or the first whatever they try to. And again, this goes back to all or nothing. Like, you got to break it down. I'm not telling you to be, you know, superstar, impactor, influencer overnight, whatever you want to call it. I like to say impactor because like, I think everybody really can have influence and it's whether you can actually create impact from your influence. Yes. That makes a difference. Yes. Um, but just take a little nibble. Maybe like, it's so scary for you to put yourself on camera. So take a selfie of your face walking or something and write, you know, I had this thought, if you're too afraid to talk to the camera at first, like, can you at least take the picture, the mm-hmm. selfie of yourself? Or can you do like the post with your own words and then like put like add whatever your handle is? Like there are little ways to tweak and kind of like test the waters a little bit. You don't always have to run and cannonball off the diving board. You can put one foot in, and one foot in, or like take one bite of cookie, and one yes. bite of cookie. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like, you know, you'll be on your way to, to the whole thing. Yeah. But again, I think that goes back to what we said. People want to be professional. They're too afraid to flub it up. They're too afraid to be a flop. Like I'm totally in a flop era right now. I feel like there's nothing I can do that like is hitting or resonating. I can use all the freaking sounds that are viral right now. And I'm just like in a flop era and I'm like, whatever, maybe it's that that's because I'm not posting about cycling all the time. I have no idea, but you know what, whatever. Like if it's getting out to one person to 10 people to, I think that's the other thing Two people discredit what actual service is. Yes. They want their post to be helping hundreds of thousands of people and there's maybe it will, but at first you have to help one person. Yeah. That's how I started too. You know, it was, I walked into my first, I mean, I'd like posted on social media. Like I'm, I'm, I guess before I even went to treatment or got into recovery or anything, like before I even yeah. even considered this like lifestyle or being a coach online yeah. or anything, I was terrified to tell my story and I didn't know how to do it. Not authentically. I could like take a picture and like write something um, about like my life or my friends or whatever it was that I was posting about, but yeah. there's no way in hell that I was letting you into my real life. Like, no, I, I was very proud or like just very, very um, serious, I guess. Not proud, but like very serious that I was living a double life, you know, and um, yeah. I would I would only let you see certain parts of me, not all of me. And so I remember totally. my first post on Instagram when I got into the sobriety world and I wanted to start posting like that. 
um, it's, you know, I'm kind of segued into like how I share today is a lot different, but that's kind of how I started my journey was one of my first messy show up anyway, things was literally writing a post and saying, I'm anxious to post. Like I'm worried (laughs) about what I'm going to say and how it is going to come off. And I, I know that that is because I'm like taking off this armor and I've been using it for so long that I don't know how to operate without it. So here it goes, you know, and so I think like making your first post or making your first, it doesn't have to be social media, but just showing up and being like, hey, I don't know how this is going to go. Thanks for being here. And then just like doing the thing, you know, like that's just so beautiful to just be raw and real and honest. Yeah. And that's really important when it comes to a leadership and being a leader, like being able to level with people, get on my level. Mm -hmm. If I think we put a lot of people on pedestals and when we do that, it's like, they're so much better than me. They're so much better. As I always like to like that, what you did there was you leveled with people. You were like, I'm scared too. And I say that sometimes when I speak on stage, I'm like, my hand is shaking right now and I'm terrified. And I know that's how I know. Like when I'm really scared, that's my compass, my true north that I'm doing what I need to do because yeah. I'm stretching the boundaries of what I was doing before. And I know that it's going to impact more people. And that's why I'm nervous in this moment because I'm right. either on a bigger stage or it's bigger, like, like there's bigger stakes. Like that's when I know. Yes. And so you can use that too as kind of like that, whatever, but you can always level with the crowd or you always, you can start with like you know, once you really get into the journey, like I have a lot of dark humor or like humor in general, um, because again, it makes people level with you. But I think yep. that a really good leaders are able to do that because you're not just standing on the stage or getting on your platform. Like, look at me, look at me. Like I can do all the things I can conquer all these things. It's like, no, I, I'm actually so scared that, right. you know, I think when I talked at powerhouse recently, I think I literally said, it feels like my heart's going to come out of my butt. Like it literally feels like I'm going <laughs> to have some experience right now. And the, and I got a laugh out of the crowd and then you can immediately see everybody's kind of shoulders like, Oh, like, okay. Like, well, yeah, cool. it's, it's like, the connection does, piece. Yeah. It's like, Oh, exactly. she's one of, she's one of us, you know, like, okay, cool. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think like, because of that pedestal thing that you were talking about and I, I, it's one of my biggest faults that I've really been catching myself um, over the last couple of years in recovery being like, hey, like we're all human beings. You know, I think when I heard Brene Brown for the first time talk about how she gets speaking engagements or whatever it is, and she, Brene Brown, says, who am I to be speaking on these things? And I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Yeah, it never goes away. It never yeah. goes away. Yeah, it helped me to like know that she has imposter syndrome for some reason because like it just again like she leveled herself with me and I was like sweet like even when I'm scared so is Brene Brown which is um, insane to me um and I love that you bring up Marie Forleo I just I had no idea that I mean obviously you're like into her work she's an incredible everything coach and speaker and all the things she's the one that taught me that um reading her book everything is figure outable was the first time that I realized that fear and excitement come from the exact same spot and so I get to I get to ask myself now because because of her like I get to you know find my center when I'm very freaking scared my heart's gonna come out of my butt and I'm like yeah but what if this feeling isn't fear what if it's actually excitement what am I excited about in this situation and then I can tell myself like oh I'm excited because 
you know, I'm creating an impact or because I'm finally actually saying the thing or, yeah. Yeah. And I, one of the things I like to say a lot is skited. And I got that from Abby Wambach, who is a U.S. soccer player. She married a Glennon Doyle. Exactly. Like they're all in the same, we're in the, we're in the same vein here. Yes. (laughs) And she uses skited, which I think sometimes can, again, like going back to duality, it can be both and being able to really like decipher. Okay. Like I'm scared, but I'm also really excited. And that's what I was talking about by like the shaking of the hand. Like, yes, I'm scared right now, but it's also because I'm so excited that this is something I've wanted so much. And again, like there's a lot of, there's like big risk here, but there's also big reward on the line. Um, and that reward and like, I'm stepping into the thing that I've been praying for. Um, and now I get to do it and And I'm a little scared because it's like, Oh, and, but I think like leveling with people and just being honest, like, Hey, my hand's shaking. I'm nervous. Or like, you know, whatever it is that we have to just be honest about, just spit it out to the crowd or or to whoever we're typing to um, or speaking to on a podcast that takes away like the performance of it. Yeah. Like now you're no longer performing with a mask on and like having to do this perfect act because you are not a person. You are like a caricature up on stage doing an act like that's not yes. that's that's not what I'm here to do. Like, I don't know about anybody else. Everybody else's like intentions are different when they're on a stage doing whatever their job is but for me my job is authenticity like my job is fuck small talk and so getting up there and making sure that I I am honest and authentic to myself means that I can share the real parts of me with someone or like the whole crowd so if I do flub up and I am sweaty or you know I am all the things they already know that about me because I've already made it known and they can yeah. even show me compassion and connect with me in that way. So they help carry me through whatever it is that I'm trying to say. It's incredible. Like it's a yeah, team. Yeah. yeah. And I think about this in films a lot. Like the, the example I always use is Ferris Bueller. So in film, this is called breaking the fourth wall. And it's when the, the actor talks to the audience. Yes. Like he's like, they're talking to you. You know, like Ferris Bueller has those moments where he's like, he talks to you and you're like, oh, he's talking to me. Yeah. And I feel like that's what it it, it kind of is, especially if you're coaching or you're on stages or whatever you're doing, it, it like breaks that fourth wall. And like, that's a, that's a, like a cinema, cinema type of term, but it breaks, like break the fourth wall. It breaks the wall down of the like, oh, like, you know, they're, they're up there and I'm down here and they're up there because they're X, Y, and Z. Right. No. It like includes them with what's happening yeah 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 and uh, of course then we feel more seen and and that even that's like how comedians you know do it where they like are talking with the crowd and getting them to laugh and like using people in the audience as part of the joke you know like you involve people and it just feels so much more connected when you walk out of there I want to hear a little bit I, I don't know really anything about your journey I see how you're showing up today I I don't know. You're in, you're an incredible speaker. You're uh, I see the confidence and all the things coming through, but I somehow through like the message and how you share your authenticity makes me want to ask you how it all started. I know, I probably should have led with that, you know, to for you to tell your story a little bit, but did you how did you get into soul cycle even? Like what's what's your story? Yeah, I'm going to try to give you the the Judy Bloom version. So I went to college in Nashville, Tennessee for entertainment and music business. And my spring senior semester, I went out to LA and I interned for Ellen DeGeneres. And that kind of led me on this whole Hollywood journey. Uh, I was like a glorified Hollywood assistant. I worked in all the different places, all the different things you can imagine of being a glorified Hollywood assistant. 
And then I went into digital marketing, advertising, and I went through this series of, I was, I got let go from one job and I took another job. And then I worked as a project manager at another place. And then I got let go from that job and it like, it, nothing was working. Uh, and God, at the time, I'm in that spot like, right hey, now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, like, you know, you work out all the time as you got your yoga license, like while you were working this crazy job, you went on nights and weekends to get your yoga license. Like, why don't you work in fitness? And I was like, maybe y'all are right. So I, at the time, SoulCycle was the rocket ship to get on. Like it was the coolest thing, boutique fitness, hottest of hot. So I just had my laser focus set on working there. And my goal was always like, oh, I'm just going to like get in at the studio level. And then I'll go move back to New York because the headquarters are there. And I'll be close to Rhode Island with my family. It's going to all work out. So I went in originally never wanting to be an instructor. That was literally never crossed my mind. Never once. And then just being there and writing for different people and doing the damn thing. I was like, oh, okay, maybe, but still it wasn't really a thought in my head until other people were like, you should do this. You should do oh this. yeah. You should do this. And I call that the knock, the knock three times on the ceiling, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so when you hear that knock over and over, that's like when you got to start to listen, like, oh, okay, maybe they know something or they see something in me that I don't see. And that became my whole journey as instructor, like go to New York, the training, I got um, offered a couple of different cities to go to. I chose Boston because my family's in Rhode Island. So uh -huh. my dad was like the devil, you know, versus the devil, you don't. And I was like, good point, pops. And so that was seven years ago. So I've still been in Boston. And then what I built here beyond the bike has really was definitely birthed out of COVID. You know, I was like, how do I keep showing up and serving and inspiring and doing all the things when I don't have the actual like tool that I've been working with that I've used, but I. I'm the voice. I'm the vessel. Like I'm, I'm it. like, okay. And that's really what kind of did how everything else evolved from there. But I think a lot of what I talk about too. And I think the reason why I can talk to uh, why we probably connect so deeply is when I was in LA, like I partied a lot. I had a very dark party phase. I got a really, really, really gnarly DUI in California. Oh, and I had, I had them like run the, like, I don't even know what, how to describe it. I, they gave me the most severe punishment possible. Mm. Um, rightfully so, right? Rightfully so. And they definitely were making an example on me and it was really, really hard. I had to do hundred hours of community service in downtown Hollywood, oh which involved power washing the side of buildings and street sweeping on, you know, La Cienega Boulevard and La Brea down in, you know, like really random areas with like a broom and a, oh my like, God, a sweepy thing. Like, I don't even know what the thing's called. Like, <laughs> so I did that. I had to go to hundreds and hundreds of AA meetings. I had to go to all these classes. Um, it was, I had to do all this stuff. And so I think that's why also, um, when you're talking about 12 stuff and all that, I totally, I know all that. I see all mm -hmm. that. I, I, I'm so much a part of that. I feel like a lot of my friends are in that. And I work with, you know, charities and organizations here around addiction, because I feel like it's not just, like you said, it's not just one thing, right? Yes. No, well, it's, it can be. Yeah. But I think an like, array of that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother full episode and a whole yeah. podcast of talking yeah. about the separation of somehow like addiction is not like mental health you know, and somehow like we have to separate yeah. these because like the, like addicts, like those people are just like this different group of people that like are somehow it's like the stigma around it is like attached to like someone having bad morals, you know, like, 
it doesn't make any sense. Mm. Like when the work Mm. that we have to do to get out of that is this underlying spiritual personal development work, which is also what business leaders are doing. And literally any successful person in the world is doing this like very deep work. A thousand percent. And there's a lot of, there's so many similarities. So yes, it's, there's so many similarities. And so I think that's definitely, I think that to me, like, I always felt like that I was living a double life. So I was like, I've never related more to a meme than the one that's like, I hope this green juice on Monday, you know, cancels out all of the bad shit I did over the weekend. Yep. <laughs> and that was, that was the epitome of my life. I was like the picture picture perfect quote unquote health. But then I was like going on vendors till, you know, the sun rose in the Hollywood Hills, like just being a total crazy bitch, quite frankly. And I, I allude a lot of it to like soul cycle really saved my life in a lot of ways because I, it gave me, there was a non-negotiable to the discipline of it. And I came to a point where I was like, I can't be both. I can't be the best in this business. I can't say I want to be the best instructor and imp- and have the most impact and sell out these rooms and do all like, like, I can't do all that. And also be the party girl. I can't live both. And I had lived both for a while and I straddled it for a long time and I did it really well. You and know- I think that's so much of it too. There's like coveting, like you can do it all, but then you get to a point where you're like, I can't. I can't, and, and it's not even authentic to what I'm saying and what I'm doing over here. I can't have this and this. And that was like the clear path for me. That's it's so, so incredible. This is so full circle. You, ha- I know that you don't know my life. However, just yesterday, just last night, I had a talk with one of my very close friends and I was honest with her. And it's something that I haven't talked super in depth about on the podcast yet. I did, um, yeah. there's an episode that, is uh, it's titled an update on my recovery. And in there, I talk a little bit about it. Like, you know, I I broke my um, like sobriety or like clean time a while ago. And so like, I've just been curious, you know, I've been trying to figure out like what does work for me, what is okay. You know, when I'm with my sisters, what's, what's, you know, what am I able to do to partake, to partake in, you know, is it something that will work for me? And so I've just been on this journey trying to figure it out, you know, and it's been really, um, I've been like shaky talking about it a little bit just because I understand, you know, like the, the alarms that go off when, um, addiction is, is what it is, you know what I mean? And so like, I think like the 12 step program, like trained me in that way where it's like moderation is not a thing. Um, and so, so I, I've just been very much trying to figure out my own footing, but just last night I was talking to a good friend of mine and I said, you know, I drank last weekend. Um, and it's never, it, I'm so grateful, like in my four years of, you know, practicing recovery and doing this personal development work and like learning to love myself and care about myself. Um, the way that I drink, you know, a glass of wine or whatever is not how I used to be at all, like in any, in any way. But I was telling her, you know, I was like, you know, I can't help it. Even if I have a glass or two of wine, I feel like the next day, it's it's different I feel like, I, I find myself like garbage yeah like I'm just like you know like last weekend it was the first time that I had um, drank as much as I did and the next day that was on a Saturday and the next day I was like I feel not great and it wasn't just physically but like mentally and spiritually mm. and like I didn't want to show up on my stories because I felt like I didn't know what to say 
you know, and it was just very much like my message and what I'm here for isn't feeling like it's in alignment anymore. And so I told her just last night, like, hey, I want to be like, I have this, I think I was talking about you, actually, I said I have a a podcast uh, guest tomorrow morning, and I'm so excited to talk with her. But um, I'm kind of stuck, you know, with where I'm at with everything that I'm choosing right now. And I just don't think that I can have both. And she was like, yeah, well, if you want to like go the distance, like maybe you can't. And right now, you know, but like if it bugs you out to say never again or whatever to go back to that, don't. But just like, you know, tell yourself that you're working, you're focusing on other shit right now, you know, and that alcohol or anything else just isn't part of your journey right now. And that's okay to just use the words right now, you know? Yeah. I think that for me, I noticed that too. I feel like when you figure out how you vibrate and I'm talking this down to like my diet, like everything. And, and sometimes even my best friend will be like, Madison, you're so ingrained in your routine that when you're taken out of it, like it's almost to a, it's almost to a fault sometimes, because if anything sways you from it, then like you feel totally out of sorts. But I, I really like, and I've I've really honed in on my routine and like what I eat and when I eat, like I'm very dialed in. And I think that that right now, like this thing right now, that is what's had to work for me because I've been an elite athlete for nine years, non-negotiably six days a week, multiple Mm -hmm. times a day. And I've had to have this rigidity. But again, like, is that rigidity going to always serve me? I don't know. Maybe there'll be a process of unlearning it at some point. But right now, this is the way that I have to operate in order to be at 100%. Yeah. In order to keep like the structure that like is your lifestyle, like in order to keep it running smoothly and make sure that like, I'll speak for myself when I say it to make sure that I'm not the one getting in my own way again, because I understand where that was, you know, like a couple of years ago, I was absolutely in like a life threatening, like lifestyle like it was not okay yeah so that's one of my biggest fears like I don't know if it's even like humanly possible for me to ever really go back there although I've heard other people share their story that like it absolutely is possible and so yeah it's just like staying connected and staying authentic and like sharing openly what it is that you're going through like I actually went and I changed my Instagram handle I used I, I it used to be recovery coach um, I forgot what else it said. Um, but I'm not actively taking clients right now just because I am going through so many different transitions in my life. Like it's a hell of a lot. Yeah. So I went and changed everything and I just said I am a CP uh CPTSD like advocate and a trauma survivor as of right now. And I'm learning alongside everybody else right now, you know, and when I'm ready, you know, I'll take the leap. But yeah. And I can be touch and go in that way too. And I don't even know if touch and go is like the best way to describe it, but not everybody is full steam in their business. And then, and then like at at all times, like you can be all in and then you can say, wait, I don't really know if like, this is what I want and back off and be like, oh, I'm actually feeling more like I want to do this. And I think we all do that as again, it's like, it's always evolving. It's like a revolving door. Um, I related this a lot in something, a talk I gave to like a school bus and you're driving the school bus and there's different thing. There's at different stops. People are going to get on and get off. And when I say people, I mean, emotions, I mean, things in your business, they can get on, they can get off, but not everything is going to ride in that school bus the whole way with you. 
Yeah. It's pretty impossible for things to not come and go, come and go, get on, get off at different points along right. the way. Right. And that's the thing is like, you need certain people, places, things in certain seasons because they're there to like help you with whatever it is that you're, that you're going through. Yeah. Um, even if it doesn't feel like it in the moment, you know, someone that you're like, you know, punting off the bus, like, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, that person yeah. was that person or that thing, whether it's alcohol or whatever it is, like that person, or that thing was there to like show you something in yourself, you know, what are you going to do with them? So, Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I don't mean to like segue super hard, but I want to kind of go back into when we were talking about Soul Cycle. When you mm. discovered, I think like maybe you found out the reality um, before you really consciously understood it, it sounds like. But you're always saying like the importance of you're talking about the importance of movement to like change mm. your state and to yeah. like when you're stuck, especially, I mean, we talk about like through the COVID era and now like post COVID speaking of talking about addiction, one of the biggest addictions that we don't speak of is being glued to our phones and how much that impacts our mental health and our day-to-day -day and our routine and our success and what we do, what we don't do. It's like we waste hours a day. Sometimes some of us sometimes on our phones scrolling. And then we wonder why we're not uh, inspired. <laughs> Or motivated to yeah. just like go out and yeah. do something good for ourselves, right? So I I would love for yeah. you to speak on that a little bit. So I set alarms on all my apps and things like that. I have like a one hour time on Instagram where I'm like, if I, I am not creating something in an hour and putting it out there, um, and I'm just consuming, then that's definitely not good. I think. You could definitely, depending, I think it's really challenging, right? If there's people that hundred percent use, you're, you're getting your clientele, you're using Instagram for your business. It gets a little, there's a little gray area, but again, I think the more that that whole like scrolling, mindless scrolling, it is another form of like, just mindlessness, like not being conscientious of the way you're spending your time and your energy and again, you're going into consumption versus creating. And then when you're not creating, you're not inspired, you're not energetic, you're not feeling, you know, all the aliveness that you want to feel probably in your life. Right. And I would, I would argue that like nine times out of 10, if you're feeling like absolute crap, it's probably because you're in analysis paralysis or you're spiraling over like watching what everybody else is doing instead of going out there and getting it done yourself. But, um, right. And then that just like adds to putting people on a pedestal and the imposter syndrome that you feel. Yeah, the whole like, thing. So yeah. it perpetuates. Yeah. 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 So, um, I mean, like you, you talk about like the importance of just like, I feel like it's very Nike, like just do movement. it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, movement, movement's important because it breaks things up. So I say this little line a lot that I coin when you move, you change your breath. When you change your breath, you change your state. You change your state, you change your mindset. When you change your mindset, you can really start to change your life. Jeez. So if you're stuck or you're in analysis paralysis or you're like inside and you feel like shit or you like just had a really annoying meeting or like anytime you're feeling like that in your body, get into movement. And I'm not telling you to go run, you know, like a marathon or, you know, go PR a 5K or like run, or like be, go be dumb. Like it could seriously be like putting on you know, a certain song or a certain music or podcast or sermon or whatever kind of like just gets you out of your head and taking a walk around the block and then coming back 
And I think like that's so important too. So many people work from home and they sit at their computer all day. And I'm like, you wonder why you feel like shit. Now mm-hmm. I understand that there are definitely different times and different businesses where that might not be allowed, right? I can think of when I worked sometimes where that wasn't even a second thought to me, but I also think there was no awareness around it. We weren't having these conversations like we're having it. So if you're working somewhere and you can even take a 10 minute break or a lunch break, like so many people don't take a lunch break and they can take a lunch break. And I'm like, just go take a lunch break. Like, yeah, (laughs) you're not going to, yeah, it's just, it's, I don't even know. Isn't that bizarre? I know. (laughs) Um, but yeah, movement is a hundred percent medicine because it gets you out of whatever icky state you're in by changing your breath. When you change your breath, you change your state. You start to change everything. It's like a, a it's like a chemical thing. It's like mm-hmm. very much a proven like fact. A so, very like physiological response to like how you can help your mental yeah. health and your emotional health all at the same time. Like it reminds me of when I first got into recovery. I, I had been bartending for like eight to 10 years. And I, that's all that I really knew. I not really. I mean, I, I had had my master's degree. Um, I, I didn't understand how to, like, I, I just needed to get some kind of job. That's all that I knew. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I was like, well, what is available to me? And I found this cubicle job being an insurance rep for this like big hospital that we have here in Fargo. Um, and so I took that job and it was my first ever job sitting in a cubicle. And yeah. after like the first week, I was like, I'm going to go insane. And so I finally took up my sister's invite to listen to something called a podcast. I had never listened to a yeah. podcast before I got into recovery. And I ended up listening to Oprah's Super Soul Conversations. And yeah. between like the spiritual lessons that I was learning and how I was being woken up that way. And then, you know, it was like I was sitting at a computer all day long. Like literally, I'm not joking, stuffing envelopes like with letters like it was it was a ridiculous like I was just like not stimulated enough in that job but what I did do is make sure that I took my 15 minute morning break my lunch break and my 15 minute afternoon break and I would go on these walks and listen to podcasts or music and just stretch and like by the time I was off work I wasn't it was super weird like looking around me and being like these older women that like are kind of I call it a cubicle farm it was just very saturated um there was like many many I used to get lost on the way back to my cubicle because it was in the back wall like it was I forgot what path to go down it was crazy yeah but I used to look at them and be like it's just it was really hard you know I feel like contrast breeds clarity I hear that a lot and being able to see Mm, that's good being able to see like where people where these women were in their lives and like what they were choosing to eat at lunch if they were choosing to eat what they what they were choosing to talk about with their friends um, my gosh, like there was just so many things that weren't uplifting, you know, so I felt kind of weird, but I did put my headphones in and take myself on my own lunch breaks. You know, I did walk for myself because no one else really wanted to walk, but I was like, I'm going to do this. Like, I, I don't know, like choose myself in this moment, you know? Yeah. I had to, I mean, yeah. And then shortly after that, I mean, around the same time, actually, I found out that, um, Beachbody was how I started my fitness journey. And so I did that at home and I don't know. Sometimes you just got to shake it up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This is, um, there's no wrong way to move. No, I know. And and it's the (laughs) same as like, it's literally translated into exactly what we said earlier about just showing up, just starting at messy. And like, that's it. Like you don't, maybe you won't know anything to do like in the gym or whatever, but you can get your butt outside you know, you can walk. And it could be as easy as putting on a song and shaking it out. So if I have like a really 
like frustrating something going on. It kind of started as a joke the other night. Um, so I obviously not obviously, cause maybe people are like, we, you don't even know who the hell you are. Um, <laughs> I love Marvel movies Ooh, and so there's a, okay. So there's a song, it's like electric blue orchestra or whatever that Groot dances to at the beginning of guardians of the galaxy two. And they're fighting that rainbow thing. And it's like, whatever, I'm not singing it well. But I had like a really frustrating, something happened that was really annoying. And I like blasted it. And I came out of the bedroom and I was just like bopping around to it. And then my husband been got it up and he was bopping around to it. And it was just so great to just shake it out. And I was like, okay, I feel better now. Like, like, obviously that thing is going to still persist, but I don't feel like I'm like, oh, I'm going to like lose my mind or like, you know, when you have all that pent up, that's when you make bad decisions. Right. Yep. So it's like, you got to get it out. Yep. It can be as simple as putting on a song and dancing it out, going on a walk, going to the gym, but you got to do something in movement because again, it changes everything. Changes yeah. everything. To change your state too, especially like going back to like the recovery language, right? Like when we're in that head state and we're in that, like, we have this, like, I feel like it's pent up energy and pent up thoughts that are like thinking, like all they want to do is just kind of escape and all the things. And we want this to feel better. And then we either make it, we make a decision no matter what we make a decision. And it's like, what decision are we going to make? You know, is it going to be the reach for alcohol or just pick up your phone and start scrolling and get stuck for an hour because you were so overwhelmed, (laughs) you know, like you just kind of got stuck. Or like, you know, do you have other choices to make here? And and how to become self-aware, you know, like, do you have any advice for somebody that's like, yeah, but I don't, like, I just kind of get stuck without kind of knowing what I like, I don't know. How do you like help somebody, like a new person coming to you that wants to work with you for coaching and is saying like, it's very hard for me to be that voice and to do the right thing when I just have these habits, you know, that are kind of dictating my life. I think the first step is always that, like you said, the awareness. So many people just aren't aware. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even aware of what I'm doing. I'm not even aware that I'm doing all these things. I think that that's like the real point of change. That's your big catalyst for change right there is simply your awareness and really aware of what's going on. And then I think through that, you start to realize the patterns and you start to realize the habits more. Or say someone's like, you know, I don't want to gossip anymore. Okay, great. I'm using like a random example. Mm-hmm. And then every time you're out somewhere, you know, you hear that friend or you see that colleague or you go and you're noticing it more. And I think that awareness and noticing it more, again, like you said, that contrast breeds clarity. When you know you want to make a decision away from the way you've been operating, you'll start to realize all the places that you don't like that thing that you don't want to operate like mm-hmm. anymore. But you first have to start to really recognize it because you can't change if you don't see where the change could occur. Right. And again, like I said, so many people just aren't aware. I'm not aware of my habits. I'm not aware of this thing. I'm not aware that I wake up and the first thing I do is grab my phone and then I feel like shit because I just read eight emails and saw whatever on Instagram and someone DM me some bullshit. Like now I feel like crap. It's like, well, step one, don't look at your phone for the first 30 minutes before you wake up. Like, Go in your bathroom, do your thing, make your breakfast, have your coffee, sit down, do your gratitude practice. And once you put on your spiritual armor for the day, then open up your phone. Cause now you're going to have a different reaction than if you just rolled out of bed and you grabbed your phone. A hundred percent. Yes. That. Yeah. And it's just like these daily practices that like, once we're self-aware of them, we can start to, you know, start to learn how to correct them. And then 
eventually just like how you live your life and the lifestyle that you're choosing now becomes your spiritual armor. It just becomes this like, yeah. Hey, like it's that confidence that you talk about that you wish that you had, but like, it's your job to go get like, earn it. You know, like you get confident every time that you do the thing that you said that you were going to do, or you show up for yourself in ways that maybe you didn't before. Like that's what builds confidence. You have to like actually move and, and take action and do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. You got to move. Well, and I've said this before too, but like, it's, it's hard because we think that motivation has to come first and that somehow that leads to action, but it literally, it has to be the other way around. It's always discipline. You're not always going to feel motivated, but you can always be disciplined. Mm-hmm. And that's not sexy, right? That's not sexy at all. I don't want to be fucking disciplined. What? Like you're telling me I gotta, I gotta wake up and do the thing over and over again. I gotta be disciplined. There's a million days I don't like want to wake up and do what I need to do, but I know, I know I put my faith in the fact that I'm going to feel better after I do it. Yeah. I'm so tired. I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to do, okay, well, guess what? Put yourself on the other side of it. Like every positive decision you make right now is a vote for who you want to be tomorrow. So get to voting, make those little choices and your, you know, tomorrow self will thank you for them, but you have to be disciplined. Motivation is fleeting. When we talk about like being open and honest and authentic and like you even talked about like writing your your gratitude um, practice. And to me, that like speaks of like journaling in the morning and stuff. And yeah, I um as women, you know, listening to this podcast, I think that we can relate and we understand that these are things that like are, I guess, like allowed for us to do. And I feel like sometimes it gets lost in the men that may be listening that where like, it's like, we talk about tapping into our emotions and into our authenticity and um, being vulnerable, Mm. essentially being vulnerable and how vulnerability is strength, you know? Um, Yeah. I think that's just an overall, I think, you know, the way we maybe operated 10 years ago is not how we're operating now. And like the pendulum is always going to swing. Um, and whether it swings really far one way or really far the other way, it usually comes back in the center. And the, you know, the truth was always kind of like in there in some way, shape or form. Mm. But I think that, you know, there is a really beautiful way to be able to do it. That's practice. Like where you're not just like regurgitating all your law out into the world or putting it on somebody. But I think when you really, again, I think a lot of it has to do with like interrogating your darkness and really understanding the root of it. Mm-hmm. And then it's very a, a very practice thing of, of how you share it. Because I've definitely watched people share it the wrong way. Yeah. And just like, you know, word vomit out. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, we don't even know you yet. Like, I don't even know you yet. Like, what? Like, we gotta, yeah. you know, we gotta kind of like do a little song and dance first before you just kind of like put it all out there. But again, I think that goes back to the cookie. It's like trying little things, sharing little things. Like you don't just give it all away on the first interaction. I think that the notion of being strong, being strong, like we're not going to like talk about our feelings. We're not going to do whatever. We're not going to do whatever. I think some of the most powerful leaders are actually the people, again, that are able to level with you, talk about their feelings and, and go there. I have learned a lot more from leaders that are soft spoken that are, you know, you can be strong and soft. I say that all the time. It's soul cycle. Yep. You can be soft and strong. Yep. You can be soft and strong. It doesn't always have to be brute force. It doesn't have to be fake. 
It doesn't have to be forced. You don't have to have a stiff upper lip all the time. And again, that's unlearning. I said this at the stage at Powerhouse. Like I sat there for the entire day, squirreling, squirreling in my chair because I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I knew what what my question was. I knew what I was going to have to say. My whole day, that was like going in my head. And all I kept hearing that day around confidence was un, 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 unediting myself, unscripting myself, undoing, undoing. It was all about un. Unlearning. And that's really what, yeah, that is what your confidence is and how you can show up and kind of like flip that narrative of, you know, this brute force or strong is forced or strong is big or strong is loud or strong as looks this way. Right. It can also look this way. And then I would beg to say, which leader do you follow? Which one do you resonate with more? Yep. I would, and it's, it's almost always the one that's just like connecting authentically and you don't connect authentically by being brute force. You connect authentically with, with like being real and, and you can't be a real human without your emotional state, which like, that's what we are. Yeah. Yeah. I think that exactly. there's, I think like, that's what I was getting at is like, there's so much power behind the way that you share and the way that, um, we show up just vulnerably and say the things that might make our voice shake, but we're here to say them anyway, you know? And it's like, um, I wasn't it like on your, um, the PDF that you sent me, it, it compared you as like a Tony Robbins, um, in soul cycle. Someone once, <laughs> someone once said your class is like Tony Robbins and like the Shiva, the, uh, Sahara tent at, um, Coachella. <laughs> That's incredible. Which is like the EDM tent. Yeah. Well, and like when I think it of strong really... men, when, when I think of like strong men that I'm like, that I follow and like believe in and trust and love and all these things, they're men like, like him, you know, where they're very like into, into touch, like with themselves and with other people. I think like, again, like he's so of service, he's so giving and you can see it in his nature and um, yeah, I just think like, I want to talk more about that, you know, because I think that there's such a polarization between what it means to like, uh, put on that mask and be that performative person that we think that the world wants from us. Like, I think that that that's yeah. what toxic masculinity is, is like, it's this fake mask that the world has somehow sold men saying, Hey, you need to buy this. This is the only way that you will be attractive or do the things that you need to do as a man is by wearing this outfit you know, and, and they fall for yeah. it and it fucking sucks. Cause like it causes all these problems. Um, and, yeah. and we, we do it too, um, with women, you know, how we show up, you know, and across the gender spectrum, but like being able to just kind of realize that being vulnerable and sharing our story and our truth is a human thing. It's not, it's not gendered the way that we may think. I think that that's just like a beautiful thing to remember. And also another reason why I ask is because I see a lot of women learning from women coaches and that seems to Mm -hmm. be how it works. Um, But when men are coaches, they can teach both men and women a lot more. And it's a lot less common for men to learn from strong women leaders specifically. And I've always wanted to kind of get to the root of that. You know, I think I'll be talking about that more on the podcast, but. Yeah. Well, you'll have to keep me posted. For sure. This talk has been amazing. Honestly, I just, I'm so glad to have met you and to be able to have you on the podcast and have your expertise is just everything that I think me and the listeners need right now. So 
Well, I'm glad to be here. And I hope that somebody took a little something we talked about today and it can, you know, change the trajectory of their life in some way. I hope so too. I'll have all your information down below so people can come find you on socials and subscribe. All right. Amazing. Thank you. Small Talk is produced in partnership with Be Easy Marketing. It would mean so much if you took the time right now to follow the pod and give a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'll see you guys here next week for another Big Talk topic. Until then, let's keep moving forward.